You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. The Bible says, are you carrying heavy burdens? Are you burnt out on religion? Are there heavy weights that you're carrying? I feel like that, I feel the weight of burdens that people have been carrying. Even this morning, I, you know, I was getting ready, putting my makeup on, and, and the Holy Spirit was talking to me about a burden that I was carrying that I didn't even know that I was carrying. And I, I feel like there's some here that are just, I'm, I'm, I'm here, but I'm carrying, I'm carrying so much. And I just want you to hear Jesus in this moment saying, are you carrying heavy burdens? Are you burnt out? Are you tired? And the Bible goes on to say, come, come to me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I'll show you what rest really looks like. Come to me, come to me. So in this moment where they're singing, I give you, I give you everything. I give you my all in all. It's this same thing as I give you, I give you everything. I give you those things and those worries and those doubts and those pains and those things that have happened and just the weight of my family and there's the weights of everything. I give you, I give you it. And I come and I just, I sit, just even if you visualize yourself coming and sitting at the feet of Jesus, just sitting down with him. Say, show me Jesus, show me how to take a rest. Show me what rest looks like. And just rest in his presence. You don't ever have to leave this place. The Bible says he restores your soul. He restores your soul. restores your soul. He is restoring your soul. And for some of you, it's wounds. It's, it's wounds after wound after wound after wound where you just feel like, I, I'm so, I, I am just, I'm a broken mess. I feel so broken. Hear the Spirit of God this morning saying, Jesus, Jesus is saying to you, I am restoring your soul. That brokenness. You don't ever have to leave this place. This place of rest. This place of rest. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. It's not about all the things you have to do. It's about you being still and surrendering in this place. And he says, and I'll show you that I'm God. Amen. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for your incredible love and for your incredible peace. I thank you for your healing in this place that that heals mind and body and soul. And Father, that you, you want us to be whole. And so I just thank you for wholeness. God, that your wraparound presence is felt in this place, holding every moment, 
holding every moment, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega always there. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father. We look to you. Thank you for your presence. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So you can be seated. Thank you, praise and worship team. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, last week, uh, I have a praise report that I shared in the first service, but I got I to gotta share it again because I think that it's awesome to talk about what God has done. And so um, last week I was um, in the service. I don't remember which service. It was one of the services. And, and I was praying um, for somebody who had um, nerve damage in their feet. I didn't know who it was, but I said someone with nerve damage in their feet and, and uh, that, that you're healed. And Roberta was telling me later on, she texted me on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, one of those days. She said she stuck out her feet when I was praying that because it was her and, uh, you know, left. Monday, she started to feel feeling in her left foot and uh, texted me, hey, like, I feel feeling in my left foot. I'm like, that's awesome. Tuesday, hey, I have feeling in my right foot. <laughs> and, and I'm healed. She says, there's just one more spot, one more spot that needs it. I have no feeling there, but God's doing it. He's healing her. And so that was awesome. That's exciting. That's what God does. And uh, the other one is, is funny because um, I don't remember doing this, but I was told that I did this. So prayed for somebody who was having trouble breathing. And... Um, uh, just, yeah, shortness of breath. I'm not sure what I said anyway, but uh, having trouble breathing. And so later on in the week, I was walking with Jarrett and I just kept saying to him, I'm like, man, I just, I can breathe. I don't know what it is, but I didn't know I couldn't breathe. I just, all of a sudden I can take deep breaths of air and it feels amazing. And uh, so then I was telling somebody else that I was telling Charity that I'm like, I can breathe. I can take like these deep breaths of air. And she's like, well, you know, you prayed for that on Sunday, right? Well, I prayed for myself and I didn't even know it. And so here I am like all week have just been like, ah, it feels amazing. So God's awesome. Even when we don't know we need healing, we're being healed. It's amazing. I want to talk again um, in Acts like we have been in um, for the last many, many weeks. Last week we we're in Acts 5 and today we're in Acts 6. And um, Last week when I was planning to preach Acts 6, I knew exactly the way my message was going to go and how I was going to preach it, and it was going to be a gooder. Um, but the Holy Spirit began to talk to me and say, I want you to talk about unity. I want you to talk about unity. I want you to talk about unity. And I was like, well, maybe. That's never a good plan. Maybe is never a good plan to listen. Maybe. <laughs> no, it was more like maybe this is God. I'm not sure. But as the... As the um, week went on it was there was like this urgency in my spirit I want you to talk about unity so much so that it woke me up in the middle of the night and said Megan unity 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 and it was echoed in my spirit over and over and so as the week got on the more intense um, the message became in me that that this was a place that God was calling us into uh, you know we've been talking about the church arising and it's time for the church to wake up from its sleep and I think that this is one of the places the church needs to wake up and come into unity as the body of Christ and so I had this picture in my head and I started thinking about it and 
Um, if you've ever gone to a kid's um, soccer game, I don't know if you've ever been to, now I'm not talking like teenagers, I'm talking like four to six year olds, soccer game, hockey game, whatever kind of game where there's a ball that they chase, any of those. In particular, Judah plays soccer, so soccer game. Four to six year olds is the worst game you could possibly go to. Not because they're not cute, because they're adorable and they're little mini and they run and they're so sweet. But if you're in it for the game, there is no game being played. All they're doing is running after the ball, period. They are chasing the ball, every single one of them. Kids on the sidelines, there's extra kids, there's extra balls even in there and they're just all running. And it's frustrating. And so I wouldn't have known this had Jarrett not coached Judah's soccer team. And so you have, Judah or Jarrett and he's got the team around them and they're all these little guys and so he's telling them this is how we're going to play and so you tell one like okay you're the goalie you stay in net okay goalie net you stay there you watch for the ball coming in got it okay defense you stay here you protect the ball from getting in there you got that got it stay okay and so all of them this is your place this is where you stay this is where you play don't all just chase after the ball at once okay good and so off they go, the ball gets rolling, and sure enough, all of the kids, everyone, goalies left the net, and they are after the ball. And you could just see Jarrett just like, okay. You know, and if they haven't just all run away, there are some that don't even care about the ball. They are just like distracted. They're laying on the ground, you know, playing with the grass, playing with their toes, their socks are off, their shoe, you know, and it's like, okay, Guys, everybody get in the game, right? Get in the game. And what the whole point of the coach at this age is to teach them teamwork, is to teach them unity. That the reason why you have to stay goalie in your spot is the team needs you there. Because when the ball comes, you need to be there protecting the goal from the ball getting in there. And, and defense, you're there protecting them. Everyone needs to stay in their place because your team needs you there. You need to not be distracted. You need to be paying attention because the team needs you there. You're teaching them unity. And as I was thinking about that and thinking about little kids and how wild they are and how crazy as you're teaching them these things, I started to think about this is how the church has been. That, that we were looking at it, or we've been looking at this as me, myself, I, my ministry, how do I get ahead? What can, what's in it for me? What can I get? What's my purpose? What's my plan? My, 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 my. And God's like, whoa, whoa, wait, you miss it. It's together. Like, like the purpose that God has for me in my life is not without you. The purpose you have on your life is not without me, it's not without us, it's together. And, and like the church has been like these people that run after the ball just after what I can get instead of the team. I need to stay in place, I got a team. I, I need to rise up in my purpose and the call God has me, it's my team, together, together. So we're gonna start in Acts 1 as we're thinking about these things. Acts 6, sorry, verse 1. And it says this, verse 1. Things were going well 
and the number of disciples were growing. But, always a but, but a problem arose. The Greek-speaking believers became frustrated with the Hebrew-speaking believers. The Greeks complained that the Greek-speaking widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the church is being added to. You see that it's being added to and then it's multiplying and amazing things are happening. The word is being, the word of God is being spread. It's, it's spreading like wildfire, wildfire. Great things are happening. And the enemy always comes, we, we talked about this last week, he always comes to oppose what's going on. So we saw he came to try to oppose the gospel being spread by persecution. He tried to come with corruption, um, with Ananias and Sapphira. And now we see that he is trying to come and cause disunity, dissension among the believers. Because when you can get in and cause dissension and cause disunity, it waters down the Word of God. So much so that people that the world don't want to be a part of it. They don't want to be a part of disunity. They, they don't want to be a part of backbiting. They, they don't want to join something and be a part of that. It, the, the gospel, it waters down the message because you talk about love, but yet you don't show it to one another. Proverbs 6, uh, verse 16 says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict, discord in the community. This says, this says there are, these are the things that God hates. He says, I hate these things. If God puts such emphasis on something like that and says, I don't like this, I hate this, we should probably pay attention. We should probably take notice. This is what God hates. When there's discord among the community, when there's somebody that's sowing discord among the community. And Jesus, when, when Jesus before, just before Jesus died, he prayed that same prayer. He says, Father, I pray that they would be one, just as you and I are one. I'm gonna read that verse because I like the way it says it at the end. It says, this is Jesus. He prays this just before he dies. I do not pray for these alone. It is not for the sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message. He's praying for us at this moment. How beautiful is that? Jesus is like, anyone, I'm praying right now, not just for them, but for anyone that comes after. This is what he prays, that they all may be one. Come on. Just as you, Father, just as you, Father, and are in me and I am in you, that they also may be one in us so that the world may believe without any doubt that you sent me. Do you see that? That the world would believe. Our oneness, our unity matters because, because of the world believing. There's some onus on us as the church to be one. To determine in our hearts that this is, 
This is important. It's so important that that's why the enemy opposes it. It's so important, that's why the enemy goes after it, goes after unity, trying to stir up things, he goes after it. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, Paul speaking, and last week we saw Paul say, I beseech you, saying, I beg you, brethren, I beg you. This week he's saying, I urge you, I urge you, church, listen. For the sake of the name of the Lord Jesus, agree to live in unity with one another and put to rest any division that attempts to tear you apart. Be restored as one united body living in perfect harmony. Form a consistent choreography among yourselves having common perspective with shared values. He's saying, I'm urging you, put it to rest. Stop the division, stop it. And like I said at the beginning of this message, I felt the urgency of it. I still feel the urgency of it. Church, we have to stop talking about each other. Backbiting, those things, even done in secret, cause division. They cause division. Talking about one another, backbiting, having your own opinions that are negative against somebody. I said it in the first service, we do this sometimes and we, we do it out of this place of like, I just want you to pray, but I'm really annoyed with him. <laughs> right? Like, I just, this is just between you and me. No, it's not. Stop talking. I urge you. There's an urgency on this word by the Spirit of God. And I, I prayed before I came that you would pick this up in your spirit, the urgency of it. You must, you must guard the unity of the church. You must guard the unity of people. Protectors of it. When you begin to speak against, it's like the goalie who leaves the goalpost. You leave a door wide open for the enemy to get in. Look at this verse. It's 2 Corinthians 2.11. He, he's talking to people who have, have, in, have been in, um, um, have, there's somebody that's kind of in the outs with them and he's saying, I want you to forgive. I want you to restore. I want you to pour out love on him because he says this, this is why. Because it is my duty to make sure that Satan does not win even a small victory over us for we don't want to be naive and then fall prey to his schemes. Understand this. You think that it's innocent that you're talking about your brother, your sister, but you are letting, you are opening a door for the enemy to come in. It's serious. It is sowing discord and God hates that. When Jesus was at the Last Supper and he's standing with the 12 disciples and he goes and he says, there's one of you that will betray me. He says, there, there's someone, one of you is going to betray me. And Judas, he knew he was going to betray Jesus. But all of the disciples ask this question, Lord, is it me? Is it, is it me? Am I, am I the one? And as we continue this, I, I want you to ask that question, Lord, is, is it me? Is there anything in me? 
Do I do that? Have I been doing that? Show me in my heart if I've been, I don't want to do that. I don't want to partner with something that you hate. Verse 2 says, the 12 convened the entire community of disciples. So there's, there's discord going on, right? They're upset. So the 12 come, they get together, and this is what they say. We should solve the problem. We, we could solve the problem ourselves. Otherwise, we could start serving food to the widows. He says, but that wouldn't be right. We need to focus on proclaiming God's message, not on the distributing of food. So friends, find seven respected men from the community of faith. These men should be full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Whomever you select will commission to resolve this matter so we can maintain our focus on praying and serving, not meals, but the message. So that the apostles are saying, we're gonna continue to focus and serve the message to you, praying over you, and then we're gonna take some other people. They're gonna concentrate on serving and preparing and praying over the physical needs of the people. And so there's some restructuring that's taking place where, where there are people that are being raised up in their giftings, in the gracing that God has given them to serve the physical needs of the church. Because one man cannot do everything. One man. See, the way the church has been set up in the past, that God's restructuring it, I believe it with my whole heart, is that it's, it's been about a one-man kind of show. And, and, and God is like, no, that, that's not the way it goes. It's the church together. It's everyone together. It's unity together that he's given different giftings to all of the body of Christ. I was saying in the early services, I can play piano. I can play piano. Is it the right thing for me to do? No, I'm not the greatest at it. I'm sure I could grow and learn, it would be great, but it's not what, it's not what I'm graced to do. I, I could teach children's ministry. Kids don't like me, but I could do it. <laughs> Kids don't like me. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> My son says, Mom, you're too intense. Don't smile like that at them, it's creepy. <laughs> Okay, I'm trying. I just really like them. I know, Mom, it's too much. Okay. <laughs> At least my son likes me. Um, but anyway, I, I could teach it, but it's not where my gracing is, you know? And so, so you'll see that, that we will begin to restructure the way that God has designed for us to grow. There are people that, that are better at counseling than, than me or than the leaders or people that are better at making meals. You don't want me to cook. I promise you that you don't want me to cook for you. But there are different gracings that God is calling the body to arise. Did you know that statistics say that 80% of the church are spectators and 20% are participants? 80%. And I was thinking about that and I thought, if, if God calls us the body of Christ, what if a doctor walked in the room and said to you, 20% of your body is working. The other 80%, well, it's just there. You're almost dead. <laughs> That's a problem. That's a big problem. That's why I think he's calling church, it's time to arise. 
It's time to arise. It's time for you to take your place. It's time for you to step into the positions that God has called you to. Together, not me and them, them and I, together. He's called us together. Verse five in Acts six, it says the whole community, Greek speaking, Hebrew speaking, were very pleased with this plan that they were gonna put some men in place. This is what they were pleased with. So they chose seven men. Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Perminus, Nicholas. I had to say it just to prove to the early service. I never said the names of the early service. These men were presented to the apostles who then prayed for them and they commissioned them for the laying on of hands. So the whole community. The apostles worked quickly. They, they worked quickly to maintain the unity. Discord started to happen and the apostles are like, no, we need to get to the unity. And so they began to think of a plan. How do we, how do we make sure that all the needs are being met and that unity is kept because the unity of the body of Christ, of the church is so important. It is so important. You see that in Acts, at the beginning of Acts, where the, where the disciples are going into the upper room, the Bible says they were all in one accord. All of them together were in one accord. What happened? The Holy Spirit moved in. There was unity. When Peter stepped up to address the crowd, if you read the verse in verse 11, it's beautiful. Peter addresses the crowd, and as he speaks to them, it says that the 11 stood with him. It wasn't, a, oh, there goes Peter talking again. That's, what, that's Peter's job. And well, no, it's like all of us. We may not be the ones speaking, but we are in this together. We have a commissioning together. I need you, you need me. Hmm. Hmm. Then you see, Last week when we saw them going to you saw them being persecuted. Sorry, the Holy Spirit's talking to me and I'm listening and trying to preach at the same time. <laughs> um, you see them going and, and to be persecuted, it was all of them together. And then later on you see Peter, he gets put in jail. And what happens? The church comes together. It's like, let's, let's do this. It's not just his problem. That's Peter's problem. It's the church's problem. It's the body of Christ. It's one of our own. That, that, that we protect each other, not speak against, not wound our own, not attack our own body. Diseases do that. we recognize that we're in this together. I need you. I need you. I can't afford to speak against you. I can't afford to talk about you. I can't afford to listen to someone else talk to me about you. I can't do it anymore. That's one of my own. 
That's part of me. That's my body. And then verse seven is what happens once the unity has been restored, once the whole community comes together, they agree. They're like, yes, this is the best thing. And harmony is restored. And look what happens. The message of God continued to spread and the number of disciples continued to increase significantly there in Jerusalem. There it goes again. Unity is restored. What happens? The word of God begins to spread again, increase again, more increase. It says, even the priests in large numbers became obedient to the faith. Unity is so important to the gospel, to the message of Christ. Matthew 18, 20 says, if two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be. If two or three are gathered together in my name, God blesses unity. God blesses togetherness. It was never meant to be about a one-man show. It was never, about, uh, never meant to be about me, myself, and I, and getting ahead in the kingdom. It was meant to be done together. He placed you in a body together. Psalms 133, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil of consecration poured on the head, coming down the beard, even the beard of Aaron, coming down upon the edge of his priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down to the hills of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. You study this, it's a lot, but the word oil actually means this, it, or it signifies, I should say this, something sacred, holy, fragrant, and blessing in abundance. He says unity, that's what unity's like. It's holy. When my body operates in unity, it's holy, it's sacred. He says, it's fragrant. In other words, it smells good. In other words, it's a sweet smell to him. In other words, it smells so good that the world's attracted to it. And he says, and there's blessing of abundance in that. There is a blessing of abundance in unity. God blesses unity. We see it at the end of this verse where he says, and in that place, God commands a blessing. Life forevermore. A lot of times in, in our own pursuit of our ministries, of, of mine and me and my God, God can't bless that. He blesses unity, he blesses togetherness. There's abundance in that. There's a, there's a fragrance that's released when we come together. And so I urge you again this morning that we would draw this line in the sand 
I don't want to speak for you, but I'm going to guess, even in my own life. It's the way of the world to speak against people, just to talk about them, just to, just whatever, you know, you have a, even a remark. Stop wounding Christ's body. Stop wounding the body of Christ. Maintain the unity of the body. The Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. So you know that the enemy will try to come into that place so that the, the body of Christ, the church that God has called to arise will not be able to stand. So he causes this don't open the door anymore to the enemy. Allowing the enemy a foothold, like, like Paul said, I, we, we don't want to let him even, we don't even let him, want him, let him get in the door. Not even a crack, don't even open it. Draw this line in the sand that says, I will not talk, speak against, murmur about, complain about, I won't do it. I'm maintaining the unity of the body of Christ. I protect. I'm like the defense. I'm standing in my place. Because in that place, God commands his blessing in unity, in unity. And I just believe, uh, praise and worship team, you can come. I believe that this is the place where the Spirit of God is saying, church, it's time to arise. Time to put away old things. And time to come together in the unity that I've called you to. And in that place, there's a blessing. So Father God, we love how your Spirit guides us and leads us and calls us up higher. We hear you calling us up higher. And God, we don't want to partner with anything you hate. We don't want to let the enemy in, not at all. So forgive us for the times that we have spoke against our brother, spoke against our family members, spoke against, spoke against people. We don't want to be people like that. We don't want to be people like that, God. We want to be people who love and that people know us by how we love others. So forgive us, Father, for when we have and when we've opened the door to the enemy, we shut that door today and draw a line in the sand and say, no more, no more. I choose love. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you empower us 
Empower us to see people through love. Empower us to speak well of people. Empower us to stop it when people do begin to speak. Empower us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Let this message burn so bright, so loud in our ears that we hear the message of unity, that God desires unity within the body of Christ. May this be what we hear in our spirits and may this be how we lead our lives. walking in the unity of the Spirit. Empower us, Holy Spirit. Empower us. Thank you, Lord. We love you, God. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you've never made him your personal savior and you want to, all it is, is it's, it's a believing in who he is. Say, I believe in Jesus. I believe who he is. I believe that he died for my sins and I believe that he rose again. You just say, we'll say this prayer in a moment. You say this prayer with me. And maybe you've walked away from Jesus and you, you're like, I, I feel his presence. I feel him calling my name. That's him saying, it's, I'm calling you, I'm calling you. It's time for you to rise, it's time. It's time for you to wake up. So just say this after me, Jesus, I believe that you died for me, that you sacrificed your life for me. And I believe you rose again. I want you in my life. I need you in my life, so come into my life and be the Lord of my life and make me new. I surrender myself to you. Come, Jesus. Make me new. Amen. Amen. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.